All right, let me pray for you. Lord, help them. And help me. Help us discover what the story today is showing us. Speak, please. Through this vessel, for this people, for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to start kind of towards the end of the story. We've been on a series called The Power of One. I will remind you, it's not about the one, it's about the one who's partnered with God. So we certainly don't worship or put people that were used of God on the pedestal because the moment that you do that, you're already wrong. You're starting in the wrong place. But one person submitted truly to the plan of God for their life can make an incredible, eternal kingdom difference. Today we talk about Samson. The verse found in Judges chapter 16, it's going to come onto the screen. Chapter 16, verse 21. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now, if you don't know the story of Samson, Hair on his head begin to grow again seems very weird. What in the world are we talking about his hair about? What I want you to concentrate on right now, and I'm so glad that the baptism is up here, because we find Samson a prisoner, literally walking in bondage all day, every day, grinding grain, a job that's reserved for animals, yet we find Samson as punishment, Samson as insult to injury who had caused great pain in the Philistines. Now they've relegated him to this activity. All day, every day, he's walking, shackled, blinded in the prison. Have you, ever feel, have you ever felt, or do you even feel now, that your life has been wasted? Or even in this moment, you are wasting your life. You're going round and round, not making a difference. Can I tell you that last week we had staff meeting and we sat there in this room and went around talking about what's coming up next month and so on and so forth. And it kind of came back around to me at the end as people were sharing the different team members what they're going to do. And I had to, I had to acknowledge something because I knew And I said, guys, I know I'm pouting. I know I'm not my normal person, energetic, charismatic, ready to go. I know I'm acting this way because I'm frustrated. 
And I'll tell you why I'm frustrated is because going into the new year, all of us were building, building, planning, planning, getting ready to launch into the new year, and then we had to take time off. And I'm not blaming it on the snow or blaming it on the pandemic. I'm not blaming it on anything. But it was the sake of the matter was we had to take time off. And can I tell you that I'm the type of person that doesn't like taking time off? And I felt immediately because I allowed the devil to plant a seed that was allowed to grow in my heart and my mind that says everything that you were working toward has now been sabotaged because you had to take time off. And I sat here leading a team of wonderful people and I had to tell them, I know I'm acting like a big baby right now. So don't come at me and tell me that the Lord gave you a word for me. I know. And my encouragement to them and my encouragement to myself was that we just have to grab this thing and tell the devil that we will not accept the seeds of doubt any longer. And I felt in my spirit that I wanted to turn this thing around, but I did not feel it in my emotions. Are you there today? I felt in my spirit that God was still in control, but my emotions were still, (laughs) We have Samson, who not only feels stuck, but is stuck. He's chained. We have Samson, who not only feels like he doesn't have vision, he literally doesn't have vision. His eyes have been stolen. The enemy has taken his vision. This guy, grinding grain, knowing full well that the jailers and even the prisoners that he was there with were mocking him day by day. Hmm. Now, I know normally when we... When I come into this pulpit, it, it, it's a slow build, and then we get to a point where it gets exciting, and then we kind of land the plane. But I'm telling you, this is burning within me. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, stole his vision. They captured him, and they stole his vision, and they brought him down. Now, it says to Gaza, but I'm telling you, they just brought him down. Bound him with shackles, and ground, and he ground grain. Hour after hour, moment after moment, not accomplishing anything. As a matter of fact, not only was he not accomplishing anything for the kingdom, he was feeding the enemy. Mm. Somebody grabbed that one. Not only was he not doing anything for God, he was feeding those who worship Dagon, the devil. You know, sometimes we feel like if we're not working for God... We, we, well, we're, I'm not working against him. Jesus made it pretty clear. You're either for me or against me. There's no middle ground. There's no neutral. 
Everybody in this room today, hear me. You may feel the enemy has seized you, has stolen your vision, has brought you down. But this is why the hair is important. But the hair on his head began to grow again. Why is that important? His hair was his strength. We know through the story of Samson, it wasn't until he lost his hair that he lost his strength. It wasn't until he lost his hair that he lost his anointing. It wasn't until he lost his hair that the Spirit of God, the anointing to do what God had called him to do, had left him. But his hair began to grow again. It is not too late. It is never too late. While there's breath in your body, there's purpose in your life, and the hair, the Spirit, the anointing that God can give you, He can give it again. And I'm telling you, you walk on this thing if you have to, but there's going to be a time where, where God and the Spirit of God is going to release you to do something miraculous for the kingdom's sake. And I want you to know, Jesus is coming soon, and we can't be lazy about it. we got to be ready. Let it be an encouragement to you that you may be in a holding pattern. You may be stuck. Oh, man, it feels like we've all been in a holding pattern since 2020. And I, my question is, what in the world are we waiting on? I'm not even talking about getting back to living. I'm talking about getting back to doing something for the kingdom. I'm tired of it. And the Lord taught me something. He reminded me that, Andrew, your feelings, your emotions, while they're a part of you and part of the way I created you, they cannot ever give you an accurate representation of what God can do. Many of us have felt hopeless, but the God of the universe has never changed. He is the hope of the world. Samson, he had a very tumultuous story. Let me set the stage here for Judges chapter 13 through 17, through 16 rather. That's where you find the story of Judges. I encourage you to go back and read it this afternoon if you have time. Forget it, just do it. Find time. Amen? Amen? Some of you have started your read through the Bible this year and you're already way off. I'm not going to ask you to show your hands because I ain't about the guilt. But I'm telling you, don't let that lie, the fact that you got behind, you might as well just not even do it anymore. How about giving five minutes to them every day? Just read a chapter and, medit a chapter and meditate on that thing. Sometimes we get so caught off in checking something off our list that we miss the point. If you're caught up, great, keep doing it. Not saying not to. The stage has been set in Judges where the Philistines, who are a sea people, they come from the Aegean Sea, the area of Turkey, 
and they have been overwhelmed or defeated by Egypt and have been pushed over into the sea. They're, they're known as a seafaring people. Well, they come into the area of the Middle East where Israel is today, and they, they, take, they set up shop on the west side. The Israelites find themselves in a place of conquering the promised land through the book of Joshua and on into Judges. They're conquering the promised land, but they're coming from the opposite direction. Their mandate from God was to go all the way to the coast to, to take possession of the promise. They find themselves in conflict with the Philistines because they're coming the other way, and you have the Israelites going this way, and then you find this conflict. Then you also find the Israelites in a cycle of rebellion and redemption. They go to the gods of their neighboring countries. They go to these idols and they begin to worship them. Guys, you, you understand that false gods are demons, right? It, it, if it's not Jesus, it's the devil. Are you with me? You understand that these false gods that have names are also demons. There's a structure in the kingdom and in the spirit realm. We need to be very straightforward and open and honest about it because at the end of the day, if we're fighting a spirit, spiritual warfare and we don't know who the enemy is, then what are we even fighting? Are you with me? So we have the Philistines who have a God, a God named Dagon that we'll get to in just a few moments. And we have Samson in chapter 13. We find Samson who is born to his mother and father. Now, Samson was a parent, uh, I mean, was the child of his parents, the only child later in life. There's a beautiful story in chapter 13, how an angel of the Lord comes to his mother and, and also to his father. And, and it's just a, it's a beautiful story that develops there. It's amazing. And Samson is born later in life, the only child, and, and the mother's given clear instructions that he is to be a Nazarite all the days of his life. God sent an angel to announce the birth of Samson. A Nazarite is someone that in uh, the Israelite and the Hebrew culture, they would take a vow for a season, for a period of time. A vow would be like they wouldn't cut their hair, they would refrain from all alcohol. They wouldn't touch dead bodies. They had to do certain things to maintain a holy, a holy life during that time. The difference is that God mandated that Samson was to be a Nazarite for life. He was to follow these rules for his entire life. Judges chapter 13, verse 24 says, when, he, when her son was born, she named him Samson, and the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in Maneadon, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtal. Now, the reason why I believe geography is important, it always is, but this gives us a picture on where he lived. He lived in a place that was neighboring the Philistine line. So it was almost as if Samson and his family lived with one foot in the Philistine camp and one foot in the Israelite camp. They lived on the border. They were border dwellers or what have you. And therefore, Samson was completely pulled his entire life towards the Philistines and not completely devoted towards the Israelites. 
I want to tell you something. You can only last by living on the fence so long. At one point, you're going to fall off on the wrong side. Can I tell you that? Friends, we need to run like Joseph did from temptation. The Spirit of the Lord stirred him very early in life. Moving on to Judges chapter 14, we find Samson, because he lived near the Philistines, and it says in verse 1, One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. Interestingly enough, this is just a, what do you call it when it's just a, huh? No, come on. I need a different front row people over here. My sister-in-law. <laughs> it's it's a, a, a phrase. It's a, anyway, caught his eye. He didn't, she didn't really catch his eye, right? But later they caught both his eyes. Jesus said, if your eye offends you, now don't go do that. Please, don't call me. I'm at the hospital. I did what you said. First of all, I wouldn't go to the hospital nowadays anyway. Okay. Come on now. Y'all settle down. See, the Philistine woman caught his eye, and when he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her. Go get her for me. <laughs> Simpler times, I guess. Get in the car. His father and, his father and mother. I was watching a YouTube So watching the YouTube, and there's this town or country, whatever you want to call it, in the old Soviet uh, Republic area, where literally they, they can, by law, kidnap their wives and just carry them home. I mean, this was real. It's like, and they were talking to these two babushkas, which is grandma in Russian, I think. Anyway, these older ladies, and, and they said, were you, were you kidnapped? And she's like, yeah. Were you kidnapped? Yeah, he came and took me and took me home. The police don't do it. No, it's okay. <laughs> anyway, nothing to do with Anyway, okay. Maybe this is in the old, old Soviet area. His father and mother objected. Listen, isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry? They asked, what might, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. His father and mother didn't realize the Lord was at work in this. Creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. Now, that's the one verse in this section that I want you to pay attention to. His father and mother didn't realize that the Lord was in this. They were just, they were doing the right thing. 
hey, the rules are you don't intermarry with the pagan uh, uh, cultures that are around us. You know, we're in the promised land. God wants us to, to sanctify ourselves and, and marry among our own people. So we, we worship the same God so we don't get all of this stuff confused. And, and it's in Deuteronomy. It's again in Leviticus. So anyway, all of these rules are in place. And Samson goes and marries this woman and the mother and father object, rightfully so. And Samson doesn't listen. See, he was looking for a wife in all the wrong places. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 6.14 that we are not to be unequally yoked. And that means that believers are not to marry unbelievers. And also deep friendships. Am I saying you cannot be friends with unbelievers? I'm not saying that. But if your best friend is constantly telling you how God ain't real, you need to look at that. If you find yourself having constantly to debate with someone that Jesus died for them, and you've got to look at that. Who are the people influencing you and closer in your circle? Jesus was a quote-unquote friend of sinners, yes. But his inner circle were folks that believed in him and believed on what the kingdom of God was to accomplish upon the earth, right? And in order for them to get into his inner circle, they had to submit to him. He didn't keep hanging out with Zacchaeus until Zacchaeus said, okay, I'm wrong, you're right, let's go. Now Zacchaeus is my closer friend, right? Now, God allowed bad things to happen to display His glory. God allowed bad things to happen for the use of His glory to be on display. This isn't in every case, but sometimes, yes, bad things happen to good people. I'll use for an example, if I may, the storm that came up upon the disciples where Jesus calmed the storm. The Bible tells us that Jesus was sleeping in the boat and a storm comes out of nowhere and they were about to be overturned and, and the boat was going to be capsized and they were, they were scared, they were frightened. They went down and told Jesus, what is your deal? Why are you sleeping? Aren't you scared? And, and he comes out and says, peace be still. And the waters were calm. The wind and the waves stopped. He spoke to the storm. Remember that? If you don't remember that, there it is. He spoke to the storm and he calmed the storm. Interestingly enough, the God of the Philistines was named Dagon, which was the God of the storm and the water. <laughs> Did you know that in that moment, God just didn't calm the sea and the storm? He overcame Dagon, the demonic power of the storm. Are you with me? You see, the sovereignty of God and the timing of that moment lasted as they were just in awe of Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves. The beginning of this marriage, the beginning of him going after this woman, this instance, this thing that happened in his life was a decline that started right then in that moment. Because if you go on, he's going over there in verse 5. Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, and a young lion attacked him, Samson, near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon them. Notice, the Spirit of the Lord had been stirring him, but now it had came upon them. We're a Pentecostal church. We believe there's a difference in what happens at salvation when the Holy Spirit sets a seal upon our heart and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is an infilling of the power of the Holy Ghost. 
Here we find a difference in being stirred by the Spirit in Samson's life and the Spirit coming upon him for the assignment. So he killed the lion, the Bible says, as it was easy for him. Later, when he was going back down that same path, he came across the lion and there was bees in there with honey. He touched the lion and he took the bees and he began to eat it. He gave some to his mother and father. Why is that important? What was he supposed to not do? Touch dead bodies. I want to go marry that one. My father and mother didn't know that this was something that he was doing for his glory for later. And now we find Samson immediately breaking one of the things that he had vowed not to do. He broke the vow. He touched that dead lion. He literally married the enemy. You see, we find here that this was the beginning of the decline of Samson, but God was breaking him all the way down to this point as he was on the grindstone so he could really accomplish his plan. Judges 16, verse 23. We continue reading on. I'll get to the verse in just a second. We continue reading on. Samson has great victory after great victory. He, he slays a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a lion. He ties foxtails together and, and, and destroys the grain and the, and the fields of the Philistines because there was this constant tension and battle of dishonesty and, and deceit. And Samson was being used by God to overcome the Philistines, but all this bad stuff was happening to Samson. He had heartbreak because this woman that he went to marry ended up marrying her best man, his best man. He had heartbreak because then he went after another Philistine woman, he didn't learn his lesson, named Delilah, and she turned him over to the Philistines by finally getting to the root of his power, which was his hair. And that was the sign that the Spirit of God was upon him. Now we find ourselves in Judges chapter 16. Samson, a shell of a man. Certainly not what God had called him to be. Philistine ruler, rulers had a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their god, Dagon. They said, our God has given us a great victory over our enemy, Samson. Verse 28. Chapter 16, verse 28, we, say, we find Samson, who's at this festival. They bring him out to make fun of him. And then it says, Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me again. <laughs> oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands against the center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, Let me die with the Philistines. The temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his lifetime. You see, what God had set in motion at Samson's mistakes, 
I want to get this into your head. Don't make mistakes and say God redeemed them. But also don't look at your mistakes and say God can never redeem them. Did you catch that? Don't make mistakes and say God redeemed them. But don't look at your mistakes and say God can never redeem them. The power of the cross is a powerful thing. You see, when God had set in motion was not just for Samson and his life, but what God had set in motion is for the deliverance of a nation. It was much bigger than Samson the entire time. The Philistines fell. Their God, Dagon, was defeated by the Lord in one sweeping motion as Samson brought down the temple upon the Philistines, the Bible says, and all their rulers. It was everybody in that party. And they were all gone. You see, the power of one in submission finally to the Lord brought about a mighty victory. Samson finally said, Oh God, remember me again. His hair had come back in, and God came upon him, the Spirit came upon him one more time to accomplish that great victory you see maybe it was later than it had to be certainly it was probably a more painful process than it had to be but God ultimately accomplished his plan here's the takeaway for you and I'm done God can use me it's never too late God took a divorced, disgruntled, disobedient man in Samson and accomplished a great victory. Things could have been done a different way, sure, but this was the way God chose in this example. You read through Judges. He does it differently with different people, but God always, say always, always accomplishes His plan. Always! That's where our faith should be made stronger and stronger and stronger, is that God will always accomplish His plan. The question for me and you today is this, is will you submit to the plan of God for your life? Or will you find yourself stubbornly working against God day after day? Remember, God will accomplish His, accomplish His plans on the earth, Question is, listen, the question is, will you be a part of it your whole life, not at all, or just at the end? Will you be a part of the kingdom work that needs to happen upon this earth your whole life, not at all, we're just at the end. I want to tell you, I want to invite you, rather, to jump in today and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to fill you, stir you, use you. Be a part of what God is doing today. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? No, don't bow your heads with me. Forget that. If you're here today, I want to pray for you. Three questions. Number one, 
you're going to say, today is the day that I'm going to commit everything to Jesus. Number two, I have been wasting time and I feel that I'm on this wheel and I can't get off of it. Number three, you want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ for the first time today. Let's start with the last question. If you're here today and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'd like to give my heart to Jesus Christ today. I want to submit my life to him. I'm in a place that I've, I've never made that decision or I need to make that decision again. I've wandered away from God. And today is the day that I'm committing in front of God and everyone else that I will choose to follow Jesus. If that's you today, right now, stand up. Stand up right now. Stand up right now. Thank you. Thank you for your obedience. Thank you. Right now. Don't waste time. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Prayer team, go ahead and move to them. Thank you. Thank you. If you're standing, would you make your way to the center aisle, please? Thank you. Question number two. I've been wasting my time, and I'm on this wheel, and I feel like my vision has been stolen, and, and I don't feel like I'm accomplishing anything. Question number two, right now. I'm done with it. I'm standing now and saying, God, I'm completely yours. Right now, stand up. I've been wasting my time. I'm done. Today is the day that I give everything to Jesus. Stand up right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Staff, y'all need to get up and get moving. Prayer team. Right here. Thank you. Let's pray for some people. Hallelujah. Church, just bow your heads now and just pray. Lord Jesus, for those in the house that are making a commitment today, today to Jesus, to you, Lord. I pray, God, I pray, God, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, as they choose in faith to follow you. And Lord, for those that are standing right now in this room, Lord, that are choosing to stop playing games and they realize that they've, they've, only, they've only given part or they've given not a whole effort. Lord, right now, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would fill them, refresh them, use them, help them, oh God, to pursue the call knowing that, Lord, you are going to do great and mighty things in and through their life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For everybody else in the room, I believe Jesus is coming soon. I need to believe that. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to act like it's going to happen tomorrow. We need to be expectant and ready. I want you to take 2022 and give it to Jesus right now. If you're in the room and you say, Pastor, I'm with you. I'm standing right now and I'm going to commit fully to you right now that I will serve him with everything. If that's you, stand right now. Right now, stand right now. 2022 is going to be the greatest year for the kingdom work in your life. If you're committing that to God, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the obedience in the room today. I pray, God, that you would fill, anoint, use, do incredible things, Lord. Like you calm the storm, I pray that the voices of the enemy and all of the minds that are in the room today be silenced, that the plans of the enemy be canceled. And in Jesus' name, that you would rise up in this room, a mighty army for the kingdom's sake. God, make us ready for war. Use this church, oh God, to see miracles manifest, lives changed, 
And may the people in this room, in this commitment they made today, may they be willing to serve. May they be willing to pray. May they be willing to give all. Lord, remember us one more time. <laughs> like the revivals that have been in this land and in this country in years gone by. Lord, please remember us one more time. Fill this house. Fill our homes with your spirit. May the doubts that we have within us, may they be silenced. In Jesus' name. Everybody said in agreement, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. I need to give you a couple of quick instructions, announcements, kind of stuff. Last Wednesday, we started our Grow Nights back with... Um, youth and kids ministry. And I'm taking an extra moment to tell you, listen, I'm preaching on prophecy, teaching on prophecy on Wednesday nights at seven. We're calling it Pastor's Prophecy Hour. In your bulletin, there is a link to your podcast. If you can't get here on Wednesday night, listen to that link. We're looking at current events. We're looking at the news headlines through the filter of scripture and, and uh, prophecy and what God is saying about the times at the end. Church, Christians, believers, we need to know what's up. Amen? And we're not doing it to strike fear in people's heart. We're doing it so we can be educated and ready to serve the Lord. Grace, where are you at? Where's your phone? Bring, bring me your phone with that text. Testimony time. That text from the person. This is Grace. She's my daughter, also our young adult ministries. <laughs> okay, you sent this to me. She sent this to me on a day when I was pouty. You didn't know that. Discouraged. The Bible tells us that we overcome the enemy by the word of the by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Here's a testimony for your church. Listen. This comes from a young man who um, come to the young adult ministries, was dabbling in Satanism, sent this to her husband, Ben. It says, I owe you all of debt of gratitude. You helped me rediscover why I loved going to church when I was young. The youth club in my hometown was such a safe place for me. No matter what was on my heart, I strayed from that in my adult life, made a mockery of all of it at the same time, again and again. I paid the consequence, current jeopardy of my mental and emotional health. The boiling point of all that affects me now, but I am getting better by knowing and being accepted by all of you. I think I'll return to worship if you'll have me. Thank you. Our kids pastor at that same staff meeting 
at the end of it said, I think I need to share this. Someone gave her a testimony that God, in, God instructed them to give to make a donation to greater life. This is a person who lives out of town, was just visiting for the day, and said that they clearly heard the Lord speak. Sow that into the ministry at Greater Life Church because they're doing what I've asked them to do. This preacher sometimes has doubts. But I'm telling you, if we just keep our head down and do what God's called us to, we're going to see great things happen for the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Now, Lord, be with us. Go with us. May your anointing flow through these people that have submitted themselves to you today. Continue, Lord, to protect this house, this house, Lord, with health. Help us and make us ready for what's next. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you Wednesday.